Welcome to the Vital Dawn Podcast for Friday, February 28th. It is another morning of panicked selling. SMC futures are trading down 50, 53 points approximately. That's about 1.8%. The major European indices are off 375 to 4%. Um, and Asia was a sea of red across the board. And keep in mind, these prices are moving very rapidly. There's a lot of volatility again. So um, they are subject to change by the time you listen to this. Um, you know, it's another morning of just enormous volatility, but very minimal news. There's really not a ton to talk about. You you have additional cases cropping up in various different countries and continents and regions. Um, they are they are tiny compared to the broader whole. Um, and you still have this dynamic whereby China, which is still the epicenter, still accounts for the vast majority of cases, and it's still um, you know, has has been the main um headwind on on global growth and global economic activity. China continues to move in the right direction. You had the the smallest amount of new cases reported in China today since late January. You have the non-Hubei province cases continue to collapse, and you continue to have reports of activity normalizing in China. There was, you know, Starbucks came out midday yesterday um, and talked about how you know they've essentially reopened the majority of their stores in China after having a lot of them closed. Um, you know, ne- nevertheless, obviously, markets are in a complete state of panic. Um, you know, you've had, depending on the numbers you want to look at and how you want to measure it, the S&P cash is off 12.2% peak to trough, and the futures, based on this morning's low, the peak to trough move in the S&P futures is down about 15%. Um, you know, you really have not had an environment um, comparable to this one since 2008 in terms of the enorm- the amount of panic, the velocity of the selling, Um and so I think obviously this is you know a complete change from what we've been seeing now for the last several months. I think two characteristics about this particular moment, this crisis, uh, make it unique from its from its predecessor ones. Um, you know, the first one being it's not man-made. So during prior periods of, of market panic, there was a natural re- relief mechanism whereby extreme market stress would cause people to change their views, whether it is trade negotiations or central bank decisions, etc. Um, you know, there was that relief mechanism where the the individuals that were participating in whatever was causing the panic would relent in the face of market pressure. That doesn't exist at this point in time. And the other one being, you know, this has real political implications. Um, you know, this very well could cost Trump a second term if if it doesn't ease soon, if markets continue to collapse, if you were to see a severe downturn um, in economic activity. And I think, you know, you know, if you if you kind of um, survey the differences between the two sides heading into November between the Trump policies and the policies that stocks care most about and the Democratic policies, um, I, there has not been a wider gap between the two sides in in decades, if ever. Um, and I think markets are are really trying to are now coming to grips with the fact that this could result in um, you know a Democrat, possibly Bernie Sanders, who's you know currently the front runner. To become president, so that political dimension, I think, is just adding to the anxiety. If this crisis were occurring in January of next year, I don't think it would be nearly as severe as it is right now, just because of that political element that now people are trying to grapple with. Um, so, you know, as far as new, fresh, incremental, major news out in the overnight for this morning, um, like I said, there really is not much. Um, you know, you continue to have the spread of cases showing up in new areas. It showed up in sub-Saharan Africa for the first time in Nigeria. And I think, you know, people are nervous just because a lot of the health systems in those countries are relatively undeveloped. And so you can have a more rapid spread than um, in, in, in other areas. 
Um, and I think that's the case in Iran, where which is a big source of anxiety right now, where it's 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 somewhat opaque as far as what the true nature of the crisis is there in terms of the case count and how rapidly it's spreading. Um, so there definitely is nervousness when you see cases um, appear in these countries with um, immature health systems. Um, there was not much economic data out this morning. Um, you had a lot of numbers out of Japan, but I don't really think that matters for the S&P. Um, you have... You know, in terms of central banks, obviously the per- the market-based odds of central bank action are spiking. A lot of that is just really, um, you know, a a a, need, a function of what markets are doing. Um, but there's not really much central banks can do. Even if they were to lower rates, you know, again, this goes back to the the problem of this is not a man-made crisis. Um, there's there's not much central bankers can do, and it, and it doesn't seem like they are necessarily too alarmed either. You've had a couple remarks over the last few days from various officials in the ECB and the Fed. Um, and they all acknowledge the risk, but they're you know taking a wait and see attitude at the moment. Um, on the company specific front, you did have a lot of earnings out of the U.S. last night, and you had a couple in Europe this morning. BASF, which is a massive German chemicals company, obviously hugely exposed to underlying global growth. Um, you know, I think BASF their qualitative guidance was quite gloomy, and I, I have the full paragraph in today's Vital Dawn just talking about. Um, all the growth dynamics. And so if you kind of read that, it certainly, you know, makes one more nervous and more cautious about the global environment. You continue to have various different agencies, whether it's Moody's or the IMF, et cetera, um, either cutting their global growth forecasts or or, um, threatening to do so. You know, it looks like you could have the weakest year for global growth since 2009, um, depending on how the numbers shape up. And so all of that is just obviously leading to, um, you know, the, 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 the sense of market panic. Um, looking for the, at the calendar for today, there's really not much on the calendar and there's not much scheduled um, in the U.S. You do, though, starting tomorrow, you have several days of, of, of critical events, um, you know, starting with the South Carolina primary. I have a preview of that in the Vital Dawn today. Um, you have... You know, you're going to get the first official Chinese economic number out tomorrow as well. The MBS PMI is for February. So that will give um, some sense about how the economy fared during what was the peak of the coronavirus crisis in that country. And then next week, you know, you're going to have a slew of conferences, sell side conferences and analyst meetings. So companies will be giving updates at all of them. Um, you know, I suspect you're going to hear more, more updates similar to what we saw from Microsoft this week, whereby... Um, you know, I, I think it's safe to assume that a lot of companies right now are, are tracking below expectations for Q1. I think it's, they're expected to be tracking below expectations. The question is, again, do the bulk of the headwinds stay confined to calendar Q1? If so, then, you know, I think you can get um, comfortable with some of the EPS and, e- and PE math. But if not, um, you know, I think that it, it just makes it that much harder to get a sense of where the, the floor is in this market. And so I think before the coronavirus really hit, um, and re- exiting the calendar Q4 earnings season, you were looking at about $175 for this year in earnings. Um, I think a stressed number of 170 is reasonable to assume, and that includes some pretty draconian assumptions for Q1. It does assume that you're going to see the majority of the headwinds dissipate by Q2. Um, and if it is that 170 number, and I still think that's certainly fair, then you know we're obviously I think well below where we should be in terms of of, of, of fair value for the market. Um, you know, again, the multiples that we had been at back in January and early February were, were simply just too elevated, unsustainable, even before the coronavirus hit. 
Um, but I think we're also now at a point where we've we've certainly um, oversold on the downside versus underlying fundamentals. You do have people though that are talking about an even bleaker number. Um, you know, like again, Goldman yesterday morning talked about a 165 number for calendar 20. Um, in which case, obviously, that that would suggest further downside. Um, so that is essentially it for today. Um, like I said, there's there are a lot of headlines, a lot of kind of market chatter, innuendo, speculation, a lot of editorializing about the nature of this virus and and how quickly it spreads and and the ultimate impact underlying growth and earnings. But there's just not much actual new news, and I think that just makes it harder for people to um, wrap their arms around things and just get a sense of of the ultimate fundamental impact. So that is it for today. I shot around, um, you know, a bull versus bear kind of view on the market yesterday. Um, that is on the website. I also had a link to it in today's Vital Dawn. Um, and thank you, everyone, for listening.